Good afternoon, Professor Peter Lynham. Good afternoon to you. How are you going, Johnny? I'm good, I'm good. Now, this afternoon on That's the Spirit, we're continu- continuing our journey into the occult here. And Indeed we are. We're looking the at... occult in New Zealand. Yes. In the most unlikely place of all, Havelock North. Okay. Why, why do you Have think... you ever been to... Yes, I, have. Have you ever been to Havelock North? I've been to Havelock North quite a few times, uh, but I actually didn't know that there was a, the occult happening down there. <laughs> it seems an unlikely place. It's a place of wealthy, retired Hawke's Bay farmers uh, living in rather grand uh, positions looking down onto the plain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice area. Yes. Um, and it seems an unlikely location to find one of the most exotic movements that's ever been in New Zealand. Okay. But that is indeed what is the case. And um, so it's this house called Fare Ra, which is, was the house of the doctor in Havelock North in the 1910s and 20s. And he built this, he had an architect design this extraordinary house in concrete, which is unusual for the day. And down below it, he built in the basement a temple, a temple dedicated to Smaragdum Thalassus, uh, which was kind of a version of a, an Egyptian temple, an Egyptian form of worship, which is why the house was called Fore Ra, Yes. Because it was the sun ah, god's house. House of the sun. Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, usually both Maori and, and Egyptian happen right. to combine on these phrases. Yes. So it's a it's a very interesting story because um, the the person who built it was very, very involved in occult movements uh, in England at the time when there were some pretty exotic things happening in the late 19th century. His name was Robert Falcon, mm-hmm. and he was in the order of the Stella Matutina. Uh, and he had been appointed to this elevated role by people who were connected with some you know, quite extraordinary figures uh, in the occult world, which are all described rather well in this in this book that we're looking at, um, and they included astonishing devil worshippers and sex experimenters, and none other than William Yeats, the great poet, was also involved in a distant sort of way, uh, and really developed out of seances and exotic kind of experimentation with, you might call them a kind of um, Freemasonry ritual, but it was Freemasonry ritual coupled with a bit of um, sort of colourful imagination based upon a supposed discovered ancient script for worship according to the rituals of the sun gods of Egypt. Holy smokes, sounds like there's everything going on in this house. <laughs> yes, it was a wonderful case of dabbling in everything under the sun. Yes. Was it like and al- alchemy and that sort of carry-on going on? Of course, all of this, they were really, really interested in them because alchemy was actually a search for some kind of mystical 
source of meaning at the heart of the universe. It wasn't just yes. to make gold to make people wealthy. Mm-hmm. It was to discover how the universe held together. Okay. And so all of this was part of it. And um, out of this uh, pretty exotic brew of ideas, um, there was also a fair bit of Anglo-Catholic, Anglican sort of kind of very Catholic bells and smells and lots and lots of incense. Pageantry? Uh, Robes? Uh, pardon? Lots oh, ceremony. Totally yeah. into yeah. ceremony and pageantry. And they loved dressing up. Mm. And looking back on it, it all sounds really quite pathetically nonsensical. But I suppose a, a, a dose of ritual in the dark mm. can be pretty exciting. Oh, of course. It's a magic. Uh, Why not? Yep, precisely. I'm keen, And actually. so... Um, the, the, it was the uh, strange combination of the doctor and the minister of the Anglican Church in, in Havelock North who got together to create this branch of this mystical order, which mm. was you know, really pretty suspect in England. Yeah. But for those who loved it, in England you could hide away at these things. Oh, yeah. In Havelock North, this group attracted quite a lot of people, and apparently half the town knew that people were heading off into the basement of this house. And it was a huge basement. I mean, it was 1,500 square feet, which is, well, it's a big house. Mm-hmm. It's a very big house. And so you went through a doorway in the doctor's surgery. Um, you, you went behind a screen, through a wardrobe, and down the stairs into the basement. Halfway down the stairs was a point where you stopped and you were admitted from below by the the people who were holding the ceremonies. Mm -hmm. And the ceremonies would consist mostly of sort of observing the solstice and observing ancient rituals which they imagined they were recreating what had been followed by the ancient world. Mm. Um, And people joined the order and... As they got more into the ceremony ritual, they moved into higher ranks of the order. Uh, and Falcon himself died in 1926. And then the rituals were carried on by um, the minister and by other people who were quite involved in the, in the traditions. And they kept going right through until I think it was 19... 19- the 1950s, I think. Well, there's Which, a, the uh, Wikipedia article, I think, runs through to about 1970, where they report a, dr- a drop in members. That's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yes. I, I mean, does, it, does, are there, like, remnants of this in the Hawke's Bay? Are there, like, small practicing groups that still remain, or is it? Well, the group sold up and uh, purchased Tauhara, which was a kind of new age center. Mm. But I mean, new age and old age, it's all pretty much the same, um, in Taupo. So most of it moved to Taupo, which still has quite a lot of this kind of um, new age experimentation uh, and fascination to this day. I don't think there's much left in the Hawke's Bay, which is pretty prosaic these days and spends its time avoiding floods as much as anything. but it is intriguing that there were a couple of Anglican bishops involved. It's thought that Lord Jellicoe, the Governor-General of New Zealand, was probably involved. 
um, there were certainly people with strong English connections who rather fancied this ritual as, yes. as having something to be said for it. There was a prominent Māori involved um, in these rituals. And I think we probably have to imagine that crazy and exotic as it sounds, something about it appealed to people who maybe... I mean, here's a theory that, you know, you come to a place like New Zealand and you feel a bit displaced and you want to reconnect with something ancient and true and deep. Mm. And so rituals that pretend to have been come from ancient Egyptian have a huge, huge attraction to yes, people. Yes, yes, certainly. That connectedness between each other and minds and spirits and whatnot. Now, uh, but Peter, uh, Alistair Crowley is a, was oh, sort of one yes. of the adherents of this sort of carry-on, wasn't he? Alistair Crowley was in another branch, yes, um, which went off into sex experimentation and all and the devil worship stuff that Crowley <laughs> was very famous for. Yes, yeah, but 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 yes, most definitely they have the same origins and the same movement, um, and that's very exotic indeed. Mm. Uh, I suspect that the New Zealand movement was boringly, boringly, uh, sexually, totally naive and innocent. Okay. I'm sorry to tell you that. All right. Okay. I don't think, and I think I think they would have forced themselves a long way from the kind of thought experiments that Crowley was going on with. But they're from the same root. Mm-hmm. It's most definitely true from this same search for ancient wisdom that fascinated people in Victorian times Mm -hmm. and probably connected them back through an interesting, odd tradition that goes back into the 17th century with the Rosicrucians, which would be another interesting group to take a look at at some point. Um, But there weren't... Well, there's a Rosicrucian... You know, there's a Rosicrucian temple in Coleridge Street in Greylin? No. I've never, I've never ever seen it open, but that's a very exotic thought. Uh, now, just, um, Peter, just on the, this particular Havelock North uh, chapter or whatever yes. you should call it, was it quite an open group or was it more of a, you know, you needed to be a practising member? or You had s- to be admitted. So initially... Um, you had to make the approach, so far as we can understand. Yeah. Um, and then you had to master the 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 rituals mm. and the sort of fabulous ideas. Yes. And you would start on the outside, yeah. where you would acknowledge the the truths of the order, and so you'd become at stage one. Okay, so it's very um, Freemasony, right? You'd learn... Yes, it is Yeah, kind of Freemasonry. And you yeah. wouldn't get... A, as far as I can understand, you wouldn't be invited down into the basement of the house mm. until you asked to become a priest of the order. Yes. And so to, to become a priest of the order, you had to go through a magical death and rebirth. Mm. So you would come down the stairs through the doctor's surgery, down the stairs and wait at the halfway point. And then you would be called in to experience, not unlike 
the Freemasonry rituals mm-hmm. of putting a, a, a sharp spear to your, to your stomach to remind you that on this vow of secrecy, you will be told the secrets of the order. Mm. Um, and it, was, it, it seems to have been very much of this kind, that you would experience death and rebirth, and then through this rebirth, you would become able to connect into the true spirit of of the rituals. And they obviously felt something because in the description of the death of the rituals, um, there's this fascinating remark, which you may have seen in the Wikipedia article, but I haven't felt anything at the last time we held a ceremony. Mm. Um, And so... Well, I imagine that these ceremonies were conducted with just candlelight and with people dressed in the most extraordinary robes and uh, so that there would be a, a, a quite mystical world of shadows mm. and, and, and light. There's an interesting story about during the 1931 earthquake, um, the black pillar fell on the poor of the Black Sphinx. Well, there's a thought, isn't it? <laughs> the, the crashing down of these strange figures. So, yes, it was very closed off. On the other hand, I mean, a doc, a person who's a doctor yes. and a person who's a priest of the church, hmm. this was not a mystery. And in the book, there's a description of the fact of people going by and people, you know, after the story has passed, telling the story that they used to ask, oh, do you know what's going on in the house? Hmm. And they must be holding ceremonies tonight. Yes. So there was some sense of a, a looming presence in the town and... It wasn't regarded negatively. It was regarded perhaps as a bit fictional. Yes. But it was part of the way in which uh, Havelock North had its aura, I guess. Wow. Fascinating. Hey, Peter Lynham, thank you so much. Super interesting edition of That's the Spirit. Good to sprinkle a bit of magic in every once in a while, eh? I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm also not sure I'd go to that doctor surgery personally. But (laughs) (laughs) all right. Hey, uh, look forward to speaking with you next week, mate. Excellent. See you. Goodbye. But I suppose sometimes you do need.